Hello and welcome back to Talking Europe. Wars are fought between armies and militant groups, but conflicts have their keyboard warriors too on the media and on social networks. We've seen this with Ukraine and Russia, Armenia and Azerbaijan, and Israel versus Hamas, to name just three recent examples. Social media use is growing. It's estimated that more than half of the world now uses it. And in parallel to that, unease has grown in the EU about the power of disinformation on social networks. The EU has tried to regulate with the D Digital Services Act, but tensions remain high between the European institutions and Elon Musk, the owner of X, formerly known as Twitter. Well, I'm joined by Alexandra Geyser, a German Green MEP who sits on the Committee for the Internal Market and Consumer Protection. Welcome to you. And I'm also pleased to welcome Vladimir Bilchik, a Slovakian MEP from the European People's Party, who's a member of the Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs. Welcome to you as well. Thank you very much. Good day. I've seen that you're both quite active on X. I'm wondering, is there anything recently that you've seen that has particularly shocked you as being something that shouldn't be there or that violates uh, the EU's norms uh, in the light of this Digital Services Act, Alexandra? Well, something that has shocked me was uh, Elon Musk with his personal account recommending German voters to vote for an extremist far-right party that is under observation uh, for being hostile to our constitution. I think that was quite a shocking piece of content, even if it wouldn't fall under the DSA. Um, what is shocking on a more structural way that I'm constantly being recommended accounts by acts that very clearly spread disinformation, and I think that is a very, very worrying tendency. Uh, and what about I've, you? Anything you've much, seen? I have not much to add. Uh, I think structurally what uh, I find uh, very worrying is that uh, X uh, seems to be doing a lot of steps, a lot of things, uh, just to avoid the implications uh, of the Digital Services Act. And I think this is something where we have to be tough and clear that this is not the way to go. So you, you sense that the social platforms are kind of a step ahead of EU regulation? They have I, ways I wouldn't of... generalize... Uh, the social platforms. Mm, I think right. we need to differentiate yeah. and uh, uh, X is one of those which, you know, has huge issues with the uh, code of practice on the fight against disinformation. Others don't. Uh, so uh, I think uh, we have some rules in Europe. Uh, I'm proud that this house has been at the forefront of setting those rules up. Mm. Now they are legally binding and the Digital Services Act uh, is in place. Uh, and mm. I think everybody should follow suit if they wish to operate uh, in our single market, in our common European space. And that applies to X as well. How do you think the DSA has been applied effectively or not so much? Well, the Commission has been applying it for, for a few weeks, a few months, and I think um, for being in force for just a few months, they're doing some, some amazing work. They're really focusing on it. But I think we need to focus on the really systemic issues. You know, it's not only about platforms removing illegal content. That is just the surface, and that we need to be, um, to be clear that we want to protect freedom of expression. What we really, and what the Commission really now needs to tackle are the systemic issues. For example, the algorithms that promote borderline content, content eliciting hate and fear, because that's what people engage with, and, and that's brings what brings profits to the platforms. Exactly. by that. But who, who should change the algorithms? I mean, would that not be up to the 
platform itself to do that? That would be up to the platform itself. Okay. The procedure, according to the DSA, is the platform does a risk assessment, but we do know that engagement-based ranking, so giving more visibility to the content that people engage with very strongly, uh, is a problem. It is a risk for democracy because it promotes hate, uh, it promotes disinformation, and it promotes far uh, extremist parties and, and disinformation. And then the company should make a proposal on how to change the algorithms, and the Commission can actively recommend that. Would you go that far, or is that too interventionist to change no, the I, internal I think this is, algorithms? Look, one of the major consequences and systemic consequences of the DSA, Digital Services Act, is that the platforms must change, adjust their business models. I mean, this is, the, this is the bottom line. This is where we have a huge agreement uh, across this house, across the Democrats in this house. Uh, and uh, it's time to apply that. Uh, and uh, that also means that uh, there is much greater transparency when it comes to the algorithms, uh, just like the regulators in the banking sector can uh, see the inside of the banks. Uh, now uh, the regulators, uh, when it comes to the online platforms, uh, should have access to mm. what's happening in the kitchen of uh, the algorithms. Mm. And of course, it is up to the platforms to adjust these. Uh, but uh, one of the consequences of the DSA is that uh, there is going to be much greater transparency in terms of how it happens, why it happens, and what are the consequences. And, and this is what we are in the business of doing at the moment. And, and I also agree, when it comes to assessing the consequences of the DSA, we need uh, quite a bit more time uh, because it is just settling in, and I think uh, we will see results already in coming months. Mm. A quick point about uh, spyware, because you've worked on this a lot, and obviously it is linked to the whole question of information, democracy, all those things. The persistent risk of spyware being used against, for example, high-level EU officials. Look, spyware, again, has to do with a huge technological change. As, as uh, you know, we see it in the online space, spyware is something which is also here. Uh, I believe very strongly that uh, spyware uh, should be used when it comes to fighting uh, serious crime, terrorists, uh, and uh, this should be done, however, with strong checks and balances. Uh, and I think this is where our institutions must catch up, and we cannot allow undue misuse of spyware. Spying against political opponents, journalists, um, judges, prosecutors, uh, um, is, uh, is absolutely out of line, uh, is uh, beyond the acceptable, uh, should not be done, and this also applies to EU officials. Uh, I think this is where we have to take action, uh, both at the level of uh, the member states and the European Union to make sure we have uh, much better checks and balances before spyware is applied and used. Uh, and we must also make sure that it doesn't get in the hands of those who can misuse it. Could this spyware be misused for, for example, um, the purposes of disinformation in election campaigns? Oh, well, certainly. I mean, spying on journalists or spying on, on politicians, especially political opponents, might uh, mean that you can get information and then circulate that information, definitely influencing public opinion and therefore the outcome of the elections. I think it's a, it's a very serious issue what we have with, with Fiverr. I'm happy that the European Parliament adapted uh, Measures, measures against that, and it needs to be very, very clear that it's a totally intolerable practice in a free democracy. We're only a few months away from the European elections. What kind of disinformation are you both worried about most, and what tools does the EU have already? Uh, for example, the European Media Freedom Act, which is quite a recent innovation, uh, and yeah. it's a first. Well, I think the main topics where we have to fear disinformation are migration, 
uh, very emotional debates. Uh, it's definitely migration. It's definitely uh, anti-feminism, attacks on trans people and, and the LGBTIQ community. And it's climate. Interestingly, a lot of the far right has decided they want to go against the Green Deal and the climate measures. So this is where, where we're expecting it, but also about EU institutions. In terms of the European media fract... But, I, so can we come back to that, sorry, just to get your reaction, Vladimir Bilchik, on? Because I think you might have some slightly different concerns about what kind of topics disinformation is going to come from uh, in this election campaign? Look, uh, I think the disinformers will try to uh, divide us, weaken us, uh, attack our democratic institutions. Uh, I think uh, we should be very much worried about disinformation about Europe, European Union, European politics. We should be very much worried about disinformation uh, glorifying Russia, Moscow and Putin on the one hand and uh, uh, spreading lies about Ukraine. Uh, the realities are the other way around. Uh, so the ongoing uh, brutal aggression uh, by Russia against Ukraine is something which may have repercussions on some parts of the Union with the spread of disinformation. But really, as we saw it uh, in the uh, Brexit campaign, which was extremely unfortunate uh, and, and full of hoaxes, uh, uh, there can be all sorts of lies that directed at uh, supporting uh, those forces in these elections uh, whose aim is ultimately to undermine Europe and European institutions, so the extremists. And does the... Sorry, you were getting to the European Media Freedom Act. Does yeah. it have teeth, this act? Um... Well, I'm not sure whether Orban is really going to change the way media is organized in this country just because of the European Media Freedom Act, even if I agree with the provisions that are contained to, to protect journalism and the journalistic system in the Media Freedom Act. I have one great concern about the Media Freedom Act, and that is the fact that platforms can't moderate content anymore for 24 hours that goes under the, the etiquette of any kind of media, basically, and, and therefore media could very easily be used to spread disinformation online and the platforms can have, have great limitations to intervene against that. So I, I see very positive aspects, but I have very one very, very great concern that the European Media Fract Freedom I, Act might I, this is, this contribute is one area, to the spread this of This is one area we'll, we'll disagree, because I think the 24-hour period is a fair one. Imagine if uh, Elon Musk uh, wants to take down the content by serious media, which is critical of X. He cannot do it for 24 hours, and I think that is good news. Uh, and uh, the way the Media Freedom Act is drafted, I was the shadow rapporteur on this uh, in the Libra Committee, is uh, that we have some guarantees, good guarantees that it applies only to serious independent and professional media. And this is why I think the 24-hour period uh, in terms of the stay up of the media content online is a, is a good way of approaching it. What if, uh, what if a pro-Robert Fizzo media outlet says something that you think should be taken down? It won't be taken down for 24 hours. Mm. I think this whole discussion about pro-government, pro-opposition uh, media is the wrong way of approaching it. We either have good or bad media. And this is what we try to do with the European Media Freedom Act. Uh, uh, namely, we want, we want to support free, independent and professional journalists. Uh, so for me, um, also in the case of my country, Slovakia, uh, there is the professional media which should report the truth on Robert Fitz or anybody else in the country. We'll have to end it there. This time always goes by so quickly on this show. But thank you so much to both of you, Alexandra Geza and Vladimir Bilchik. That's all for this edition of Talking Europe. Do join us again soon.